and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. As the Chelsea men's team wrap up the most bonkers transfer window in football history, spending more than £300 million, it's been a bit more quiet on the women's side of things, but we still think there's stuff to discuss. We still think it's worth looking back on the January transfer window, departure of Beth England, the Katie McCabe deal that never was, uh, as well as some of the broader moves in the WSL and looking ahead to what it might all mean for the summer. I'm your host, Jess Park Humphreys, joined as always by Abdullah Abdullah, and today also uh, welcoming to the pod, The Telegraph's Tom Gary. Tom, how are you doing? Hi, uh, I'm, I'm, an, I'm okay. I'm a little bit on the sore side with a cold post-transfer deadline finale, but uh, that aside, I'm very well and it's nice to speak to you both. Yeah, uh, an incredibly hectic end to the the transfer window. So, so thank you for finding some some time in in what should, presumably should be uh, some good time off for you to to join us. Um, Abdullah, how are you? Very tired, but doing good. I feel like even though I wasn't reporting or anything, I'm feeling the the tiredness of January today. So yeah, <laughs> we're all feeling. You're tired. tired from scrolling through Twitter, an equally yes. noble art, as noble as Tom's work. Refreshing those three seconds for Enzo Fernandez was 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 quite hectic for two days. A stressful ordeal. It's tiring, right? <laughs> Following the whole day, it's it's, so it's a t- long day. It's all so early. Oh my goodness, it was crazy. And it makes sense that obviously the men's and women's transfer windows happen together, but that is just like an extra level when you're you're trying to keep across uh, the both. And in some ways, that's kind of where I wanted to start, uh, Abdullah, because it's a bit of quiet transfer window from Chelsea. But has that surprised you, given we have seen so much action on the men's side? Uh, no, not surprised really. I mean, I. I I, th- I think genuinely I thought that I think Chelsea's main moves would come in the summer and I thought that if there were any deals to be done in January you know a certain target gets available for for whatever reason in the January window then maybe Chelsea would move forward their plans forward but otherwise I wasn't expecting much I weirdly would have probably been a little bit more surprised if a major transfer came in now but then again we'd have to look at circumstances and see whether that player was available to come in or not um but yeah no otherwise no i think i think all the focus was on let's get the men's team you know todd was like we need to get the men's team rolling because the women's team they're taking care of themselves we're good for another six months so let's take care of the men's team and then yeah i think i thought i thought um yeah i'm not surprised I mean, it certainly wouldn't be uh, an understatement to say that the the Chelsea women's squad is in, uh, I think, a lot better shape than the men's squad. And given that the seemingly uh, the men couldn't even keep up with their own transfer dealings themselves on the final day, maybe it was for the best they didn't go too gung-ho when it comes to, to the women's team. Um, before we get to some of the actual ins and outs and, and what went down, Tom, I just want to touch on how transfers and reporting around that has changed over the past couple of years, because... You've been at the forefront of reporting on the women's game for a very long time. Um, But we've seen a lot more increased attention and especially on the men's side, like nothing gets people going more than than transfer news. How has that like attention impacted you? Yeah, it's a huge difference in the social media reactions for sure. One of my um, friends sent me a tweet that I posted for, I think it was the summer of 2015 when I... I don't, I don't remember if it was exclusive, but I wrote a story that Frank Kirby was signing for Chelsea for a British record transfer fee. And the tweet that I shared had something like 11 likes or something <laughs> like no comments, like no replies. Um, and I, I mean, I probably had about five followers at that point in my life. But the <laughs> point is, I suppose, that the fans on social media for the WSL right has really exploded with their um, the, the way they're engaging 
and I think Sky's rolling coverage. Um, and I mean, Graft did rolling coverage. Other newspapers do the same. Loads of websites are doing rolling coverage of the WSL, and that's just taken it to another level. And I think there probably were deadline day deals that didn't happen in previous windows that we just never found out about. Um, and yeah, when you get someone like David Ornstein breaking a big story, he probably tells you how how things have really kicked on. Yeah, definitely. And then the Sky thing was something that really stood out to me, you know, sitting there watching Sky Sports and they've got the Alessia Russo as, as their big story that sits on the banner whilst they're running adverts. And like, I don't think I've ever seen, you know, a women's transfer story be given precedence. You know, this is while the Enzo Fernandez deal is still rumbling on, rumbling on still ongoing. And, you know, that's kind of what they were choosing to to lead on at about 11 a.m., um, so we'll start by, we'll have a look at, you know, kind of what did happen at Chelsea before moving on to, to what didn't happen and, and stuff that happened wider in the WSL and how that might impact the summer. Um, technically no ins for Chelsea, this transfer window, although we obviously did sign Micah Hamono. We did a whole episode about her, which I really recommend, uh, listening to with some, some great insight, uh, on her as a player, but we've loaned her off to, to Hammerby. So we'll, we'll think about her another time. Um, two more players on loan. Uh, Anique Nowen went to AC Milan and Charlotte Wardlaw ended her loan at Liverpool and went to Lewis. One player sale, Beth England, for reportedly the highest financial transfer between two WSL clubs. Um, Tom, overall, what, what did you make of Chelsea's window? I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about the lack of incomings. Um, I don't think there were a, a too many problems with Chelsea's squad at the moment. Um, Chelsea do tend to do most of their business in the summer. That's always tended to be the preference of Emma Hayes, Paul Green, Adrian Jacob and, and others involved in those processes. And um, I think it would have been a surprise if they, if they'd, you know, if going back to the start of the window, if you told me Chelsea were going to sign loads of players, I would have been very surprised. Offloading Beth England was probably quite sensible, I think, for all parties, um, and and for her career particularly, it's a, it's, it's a really good opportunity before the World Cup. So I think they got a good price for her, uh, <laughs> biggest sale from a WSL club to another WSL club. So yeah, very good price, and um, I think overall Chelsea would be quite happy. But it's not the kind of A star transfer window that you might perhaps have given them in some of the previous windows when they were signing the likes of Sam Kerr and others. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a feeling that Chelsea likes to get their business done and, and dusted earlier than than maybe some other clubs that we might talk about later on on in this episode. And I think I'd personally prefer to have it that way. Um, Abdullah, obviously Chelsea have a big squad and I think, you know, that's, that's partly why we didn't see loads of ins because we would have needed to see loads of outs for that to happen. Um, and I guess in January, though, we've seen the two key aspects of, of what having a bigger squad means, the need to get the minutes for younger players uh, and then bigger players like Beth choosing to move on because they aren't getting enough minutes. Um, but what have you, what did you make about the, the loans kind of, I guess the Hamano one to Hammerby was very logical, uh, I think, and also was just bundled up in the announcement. Um, but now on to AC Milan, maybe came as, as a bit of a surprise and I think is an interesting choice of league. And then equally to see Charlotte Wardlaw having had a WSL loan but not getting minutes dropped back down to the championship where she's already have, had a season. What what did you kind of make of those decisions? I think overall it made sense. I think I think every move made sense in its own right. And if I can break down each one like very quickly, I thought Hamano obviously, you know, we talked about it in that episode, going for the physicality, going to really develop herself as a player physically tactically and, and really just take that first step from going from Japan to um to to a, to a big European league and then kind of making her way forward from there so that made sense right um I think with Charlotte Wardlaw 
yeah, I think I think maybe the lack of minutes, maybe maybe the club thought right, maybe she isn't uh, good enough to get enough minutes over there. You know, maybe they should try something different. And I think now it's just a matter of seeing how well she does in these in these six months in in the championship. And I think if she has another good six months, then it's probably going to be all right. We're going to pick and choose the next WSL loan to be maybe a bit more uh, closely, and just so she can get actual minutes. And I think for Anique now, I think that was the big one. Obviously, going to Milan, going to Italy. I think I think Italy um, is really growing as a league. I think I think they've been underrated for the last couple of months. Um, sorry, last couple of months, last couple of years. And in the in the in the and recently, their teams have gotten better. Obviously, Juventus have have, have made Champions League uh, qualification a couple of times. They've, you know, they 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 beat Lyon in one of the one of the legs last season as well. So they have made strides. Milan are doing decently well. Lok, you know, in the in the league, Inter are there. Roma have some really good players around. So it's a good competitive league with the top four or five teams really competing against each other. And so for now, it's a go to Milan and really come up against some really good players overall i think is really good for development she gets a lot of minutes and i think and one thing that i think really translates in italy in general is they're pretty much known to be a a tactical league more than more of a physical or or more of a any other type of league they they, they really focus on tactics they really focus on defending um and that's obviously been the traditional way so and if any of that can come in if that italianness can come into now in her in her play style defending then i think it's it's only better for chelsea when she goes and comes back next season yeah, a bit of a rude awakening uh, for now on in the league, at least in Italy, uh, losing 4-1 to, to Inter. Um, <laughs> so maybe work to do in that Milan uh, defence. But uh, Tom, one move that I think I was personally surprised not to see happen was was potentially a loan for Alsu Abdelina. Um, she's played 212 minutes in, in her first year at, at Chelsea. And I know that it, it sounded like some, some clubs were interested in her and it seemed like she was supposed to maybe go on loan in, in the summer um, do you see it as a bit of a concern that around her development that she's kind of stuck at Chelsea and then seemingly not playing at all? Yeah, possibly. She's she's really not kicked on in the way that we thought she might have done. I did wonder if perhaps a loan last summer was what we would see. But as far as I'm a really strong interest for Dildas hasn't been there. There have been a few inquiries, but nobody who's made her their like absolute target. We have to sign her. So I think I think Chelsea would be open to to a loan if, if if the right type of development opportunities came up, but it's not materialised, and I think that's um, that's a shame. But she might get opportunities. She's still been in the, in the matchday squad quite a lot. Cover is important with the Champions League, so I, d- I don't think that Chelsea will be panicking. But I guess for Elsu, it's it's the biggest concern because she'll want to be playing football. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one because, you know, Chelsea have, have shown they're not afraid to, like, make the most of the opportunity of learning out their players. You know, obviously, uh, Aggie Beaver-Jones, who there was interest, I think, around a permanent deal, uh, but, you know, sticking at Everton on her loan, Georgia Fox still at Brighton. Um, so there's definitely plenty uh, of of options out there. And maybe that's part of the, the problem for Alsu is that when, you know, clubs can kind of only take one player at a time, then <laughs> the pool of uh, clubs you're going to be able to loan to does get smaller for, for every player you've got out on loan. Um, But that's a fairly quick summary, I guess, of what did happen because, because not a whole lot did happen. Uh, but we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have a talk about maybe the more interesting stuff, which is what didn't happen. 
Thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show. Um, a couple of notices. Uh, as usual, we've got loads of cool merch, so go and check that out. Um, Abdullah and I, I think, both have got hold of our, our own things and merch, and I can vouch that the hoodies are really soft and nice to wear, and I'm wearing mine all the time. And you could do that too, uh, so recommend that. Also, uh, the boys are coming here on tour. I think places are actually still open if you are still interested in that, but um, I've heard some sneak previews of some of the stuff that's going to be going down, and I think we're going to have some exciting news soon about that so keep your eyes peeled um let's get into the surprises uh tom you almost broke twitter on Jan oh. january the 28th uh when you in conjunction with uh, anton from sky uh, announced that chelsea were attempting to sign katie mccabe before the the transfer deadline um just tell us a bit about that whole story Sure. Well, it was um, some information that um, I, I was made aware of uh, probably on Saturday afternoon. Uh, and it also quite quickly became apparent that Anton from Sky and myself had received the same information simultaneously. So as a kind of professional courtesy, we just both agreed to uh, release it at the same time. Um, and then I made as many calls as I could just try to find out as much information as I, as I could. And one of the things that was quite apparent really early on was that Arsenal would have rejected the bid that uh, that we knew about. Um and I didn't quite know at that stage that it was like a firm, we're not selling her. But that became apparent over the follow, kind of following um, 24 to 48 hours. But but initially it was it was just the steer was that, you know, this has been rejected. Uh, but what, one of the things I think is really interesting about this, um, this move that didn't happen. And I, I really want to be careful with how I phrase it, because in no way has Katie McKay been like stropping or like going on strike and like trying to push for a move to Chelsea. That's absolutely not the case as we lost the see in the men's game. That's not happened here. But I, I do sense that there was, you know, an, at least an inkling of interest in having that kind of conversation, which to be honest, in my career, I, I don't think I've ever known a club bid for someone who they haven't sort of at least had a bit of a think about. Do you think they will come to us? So Chelsea must have felt that there was some chance that McCabe was up for that move. Otherwise they wouldn't have made, wouldn't have made a bid. Um, and I think that's a really important part about this is that that's, it indicates, I think, from an Arsenal point of view, that McCabe's no longer seems to be the first choice behind uh, Steph Catley. And I think Chelsea would see someone like her as, a, you know, an integral star for the next few years. And uh, it feeds into something that we might talk about a little bit later in the programme with Magdalena Eriksson, of course, as well. But hey, it didn't happen. Arsenal were very firm in their stance. Um, and I think, uh, I don't think Chelsea are devastated. I, I think Arsenal are, 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 you know, pretty happy uh, that they've they've stood their ground on that because that would have been to give a rival a player of that caliber at this stage of the season would would have would have gone down really badly with the Arsenal supporters. Yeah, I think everyone kind of felt like while well, not only has this story come out of the, the blue, but it, it would have been some something to like for Chelsea to have pulled it off. Um, do you think this is something the club will will look to revisit in the summer? Yeah, very very possibly because I I, th I think one significant element of of Arsenal's rejection was not only around how much they admire Katie McKay, but also that they didn't want to show from Chelsea now, and particularly when they didn't have much time to find somebody else for themselves. Um, and as we know, they weren't able to get the striker they wanted. So, it, yeah, I, th I wouldn't be at all surprised if this is something that resurfaces in, in the summer. 
And uh, yeah, it's a player that Chelsea were interested in and were willing to pay quite a lot of money for. I, I'm not privy to the exact fee that was rejected, but I, it was made pretty clear to me that it was, it was significantly above six figures. Not as much as the Alessia Russo numbers that we saw bounded <laughs> around, but certainly a very substantial amount of money uh, and, and one of the biggest transfers you know that we would have ever seen. So um, yeah, it's it, it's it, and if you're that serious, then I think Chelsea would would go for it again. Although. We have seen with Chelsea that in the past, when a club has firmly said no, like Grace Giorgio last uh, last summer, um, that, that, that sometimes they have decided to, to look elsewhere, and it's possible that that might be maybe the case this time too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe we should have uh, asked for I don't know Katie McCabe as part of our Jorginho swap deal or something <laughs> like that. Um, that's something I look forward to when we start seeing the the women's and the men's players going together. Um, but the, there was a story that hijacked even the excitement of the Katie McCabe one, and that was Arsenal's world record bid for Alessia Russo, uh, which eventually did not go through, leaving Alessia Russo still as United player for now. Uh, Abdullah, I'll come to you on this one first before for for getting Tom's take on it. But um, what did you make of this attempt from Arsenal? Um, you know, the initial react, my initial reaction was like surprise and shock. Like if you're going for a last day move for, for a lesser Russo, then I was like, well, actually, if you think about it, six months left, if you are paying the amount of money that's been, that's been obviously bandied around that, that, you know, we've been saying is then you're like, you're basically putting, uh, you're putting United in a position where they really have to think hard, whether they want to take this or not. It's not like an instant no. I mean, they did, but like in their minds, they must be thinking, that much money and then otherwise we lose it for free in six months and you know like while the whole thing going around is if they make champions league they will probably try and re-sign erps russo and whoever else is out of contract but uh, on abaccia but at the same time you think about it I, I would think that russo even with champions league football might even start thinking like i've got potential offers from some top top clubs maybe she leaves anyway and then united basically lose her on her free regardless so i thought it was kind of smart from from Arsenal but I think maybe if they had given them an extra day maybe it might something might have happened because then all these clubs have an extra day to go and find their replacements and go and you know go and pick up players and those players can go into the whole domino effect basically starts but when you're doing it with like five six hours to go or like you know half a day to go you're like well I, I, you know, maybe it was just, or maybe it was just a very big publicity send to tell Alessia Russo, hey, we're really interested in you. Come to us on a free in the summer. Like, we're, we're, we'll, we'd pay one, you know, whatever the number is, we'd pay X amounts of money for you. So, hey, look, your club said no, so you should really come to us in the summer. So maybe it was a, uh, it was window shopping. I don't know, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds Tom like uh, Arsenal did did everything at least to try and solve the problem of of finding United a replacement by uh, looking across their own attacking talents as make weight uh, for this deal. It felt like to me this was almost an economics problem I wasn't clever enough to solve. Do you, you know, you know, like the statistics one where the goats are behind the, the doors and like you pick the door <laughs> and it's like, you know, you, you lose Alessio Russo, but you get 500K. But if you keep her and you get Champions League football, then you'll get different money. Um, I spent all day arguing about it with people on WhatsApp. Uh, my personal opinion was that I think they did the right thing to, to keep hold of her. But, but what impact on the title race do you think kind of this attempt will have, both in terms of, Arsenal maybe showing their hand at their own view of their their attacking uh, strength and and United's decision ultimately to to hold on to her. Yes, yeah, a massive blow for Arsenal's title hopes because with with the injuries to Medem Medemar, they really needed to add goal scorers in this uh, window. I think they've done some good business, but they haven't got the striker that they 
really wanted. Um, and I think their existing strikers will just need to try and just get their heads down now and focus because it's not a great message to hear that the club want to spend half a million pounds on, on somebody else. But um, yeah, Manchester United will be absolutely delighted. They, their stance on, on uh, Tuesday afternoon was uh, that the, she was not for sale at any price. Now that's uh, quite an extraordinary statement because I'm sure if Arsenal had offered, I don't know, a hundred million, then they would, they would have sold. But anyway, it was, it was a strong, it was a strong re- rebuttal. Um, and I think um, that's a, for Manchester United now that that's that's a really if, if they had sold Russo, I think people would have started to dismiss them from the title race, even though they're top of the league, because it to have lost a striker at that point and not had another one come in would have been pretty crushing. Um, but for me, this one of the things that I find fascinating about this is that, and it was similar with the Gioro PSG Chelsea situation last summer, these big clubs, this money doesn't really matter to them in terms of the wider club, right? Uh, in, um, no owner is looking at half a million pounds if you're an owner of a big men's football club and going, oh, yeah, we really need that. You know, th- this is like me lending you five pounds. You know, this doesn't really matter to them when you've just spent all those hundreds of millions, for example, at, at Chelsea um, on the men's side. So I wonder if we're going to enter a, a phase now where a lot of big bids are rejected between the big women's clubs because they will turn around and say, well, yeah, thanks, but we don't want to strengthen you and we don't really need we don't really need the money. So it's going to be fascinating to see where that develops over the next few years. But sorry, to go back to your question for the title race, massive for Manchester United. Um, and I just now looking forward to seeing what decision Russo makes over the next few months about her future, because that's one of the most fascinating topics in the sport at the moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously a high chance that, that she is a, a free agent come the summer, I guess. Um, a player who Chelsea do have history with. Um, do you think we'll just see teams ripping up their pay structures to put everything on the table for her come June and July? She's certainly one of the most sought-after players, certainly of those who are going to be out of contract. You know, she's one of the most in demand in, in, in the world. I think it will, a huge amount will obviously come down to whether Manchester United qualify for the Champions League. I think if they don't qualify for the Champions League, then it's just to you know that's she's not going to stay there I can't I can't envisage that at all but you know if, if they were to keep doing well in the WSL and win the league um then don't rule that out in the slightest you know that she might stay there she does love Manchester United but um yeah it will be everyone will Arsenal we know are interested Chelsea are interested Leon are interested I'm sure that NWSL clubs are interested as well but one thing to think about with this as well is not to forget that when Russo joined Manchester United, she came straight out of the American college system. So uh, her salary will be relatively modest for the star that she has become. You know, this was before the Euros, before she became a big name. Um, and again, I'm not privy to her exact wage, but I'm fairly confident that when she joined Man United out of college, it will not have been a six figure annual salary at all. So we're talking about somebody who could see a, an enormous leap now because of the way her stock has risen an enormous leap in her salary. And um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm led to believe that Arsenal's uh, the package of transfer fee plus salary over the, over the length of the contract would have been well over a million pounds. So, you know, that's, that's what they would have been spending if, with the fee and the wages. So, you know, we're talking about a huge amount of money and, and yeah, but it won't, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit here, but it won't just be about the money for Russo because what's really important, I think for her is starting. And that's probably a slight disadvantage for Chelsea because of the quality of Sam Kerr. Um, now, I'm not to say it's not here to say that there's no way Russo will join Chelsea. I think they're in the in in the running for her, but I think they're at a slight disadvantage, and and we shouldn't underestimate the power of what Arsenal's statement will have sent. I'm sure they'll bring her in to start if they'd signed her on Tuesday, and and that will have sent a really strong message to Russo. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, will be a fascinating one to keep an eye on. Uh, and uh, we will be talking a bit about what we think might happen in the summer after this ad break. Uh, so, Tom, looking ahead to the summer, given Chelsea have had a very quiet window, uh, where do you think Chelsea will be looking to strengthen? I guess the the interest around Alessia Russo comes from the fact that with the exit of Beth England, there is a very obvious striker gap but because of Sam Kerr it is does very much seem to be a second striker do you think Chelsea's main challenge will be trying to persuade someone who is maybe good enough to take over from Sam Kerr but isn't immediately going to demand automatic minutes is that like the sweet spot we think they'll be looking for I think you're right because one thing we have seen um Emma Hayes's Chelsea teams do over the last decade is very good at evolving and almost in that kind of Alex Ferguson type of way of like a new team before the previous one has quite finished being at their peak getting the next team ready to go again um and so yeah absolutely I think they'll look for young 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 players and I think they'll look for those who can fill the eventual Kerr gap when that uh, at some point in the future happens but I, I wouldn't be so sure that, that that's that that's imminent for Kerr um but uh, in terms of interest I mean yeah Chelsea will be certainly will be linked with Katarina Macario. Uh, I think that's already been reported, but uh, you know I think there's interest there. There'll be she'll be one of the clubs that there'll be one of the clubs that, she, that will, will try and and bring her in. Um, obviously a fantastic footballer. We it's been reported that they're they're set to sign Nikki Everard, and that's also my my understanding that that will happen at the end of the season. So that's a goalkeeper sorted for for Chelsea's uh, relatively long term future. Um, but beyond that, I think a lot depends on what happens with with any outgoings, um, and uh, you know that, that there's this big question mark still over the futures of, of Panila Harder and Magdalena Eriksson. So, um, and, and Chelsea will have a plan for either scenario. They will know who they want to to bring in if both leave, and they'll know what they'll sort of look like if they both stay. And I I think uh, they quite they seem quite content with both scenarios, Chelsea, with regards to those two players. Um, Futures, they're very fond of of, of Harder and Ericsson, clearly. You know, they've amazing contributions to the club. I think Chelsea would like to keep them in many ways. But again, I don't think they would be um, disastrously crushed if they if they left because of that evolution plan that we were just talking about. You know, so um, they've got the two scenarios and I think they'll both they'll be happy with whichever happens. Yeah, um, certainly it will be very interesting to see how, how that stuff plays out. Abdullah, from kind of a, a, a both a fan and, a, I guess, an analytical perspective where do you want Chelsea to to strengthen like instead of thinking about you know who the club have been linked with who who would be available what were what would be the positions where you were like this is where we really need to target I think I kind of going what Tom was saying I think it comes down to who's leaving and who's not so let I'm going to go with two scenarios here I'm going to go with my first scenario where on the assumption that Penilla Harder and Magda Eriksson um leave right then i can see definitely uh i think i i think in either scenario i think a left back needs to come specifically a left-sided uh, fullback right because i think that's the one position where chelsea right now have been kind of using players out of position in in kind of every facet whether using a left winger or a center back all playing on the left hand side and they obviously address the issue on the right hand side by bringing in eve perry saying you know we've seen how 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 you know how fruitful that's been with her performances and slowly getting better and kind of when you have a natural fullback someone that gives you options on the right with coming inside tactic you can play inside so 
it really does help and i think and i think the style of play that chelsea have adopted this season and kind of the, the seasons past i think it requires to attack not even attack mode but i think it requires two natural fullbacks where i think when we saw when chelsea were playing with the three and when girl right was playing at left wing back while she isn't a natural left wing back or a fullback and if for that matter I almost felt like Chelsea, you could see the the idea of using these wide players and how effective they were. And obviously, if you had, say, Yves Perisse playing there, plus, say, insert left back, left wing back here, then I could probably see that playing even better because then you get your your attacking players who are playing as wing backs or full backs to go forward and play in more natural positions. So I think for me, left back's definitely one I want to strengthen regardless of whether Magda Eriksson stays or goes. And I would think that, um, you know... I, maybe you want to replace harder but then i wouldn't but then again you got yelena kankovic right who essentially comes in as the ready-made harder replacement if she were to leave so, which is so you know this thing with the squad right now anik Nawa has to come back aggie beaver jones is having a pretty decent season at everton so in a weird way i would only think one maybe two signings is all that chelsea need because the rest of the squad isn't bad loipols has come back into that midfield so again do you need another midfielder you know what like maybe if a really good central midfielder becomes available like another grass Giorgio situation where let's say she becomes available or someone like her and you're like oh it's too good to pass up you bring her in or like the russo situation where she's available and free she happens to pick chelsea out of all the clubs you bring her in right so i think those deals are, are can happen regardless but if they really have to strengthen i think it's just really a left back and maybe you can you can get in for depth another attacking midfielder but then again, we've seen that Svitkova hasn't been used yet pretty much at all this season. And she can play in multiple different positions, whether it's an attacking position, left wing back, left back. So then technically she would almost almost count as a new signing. So in a weird way, I don't even think Chelsea needs to do that much. They just need to use what they have, bring the players back on from loan. And Ignau is another one. And maybe strengthen in with one really, one really good left back and then everywhere else as if the opportunity arises. Yeah, and I mean, there's certainly going to be some interesting opportunities. Obviously, we've mentioned Rousseau, Macario, Diani, another name out of contract, been been linked to Chelsea. Um, I mean, also at this point, uh, who who if you were out of contract and you wanted to sign a nice new one with your club, why wouldn't you link yourself to Chelsea? Um, but equally, you can see why uh, Chelsea would would potentially be interested. Um, I don't know. I want. I want to touch again on on something Tom mentioned, which is which is about this Nicky Everard, uh, signing, which seeming you know barring something very strange looks looks set to happen. Um, Amanda Zaza reporting it as as potentially a three year deal. Uh, what what do you what do you make of this? Um, I feel a bit uh, torn about it. Uh, personally. Um, but but what do you think? Yeah, I say I'm I'm same. Like I saw that and I went. Oh no, that means one of the current keepers are going to leave because you can't have three keepers who are potentially starters to you know to to be there. And I, in a, in a way, I felt it was very. I think it's very premature in a weird way because I'm like, Musovic is only just now getting another run the team, and and, and you know we we talked about Zichir Musovic playing in games that require her to do more. I think she proved that at the Arsenal game. She really saved Chelsea a point there. Um, she did well in the last game that she played in against Liverpool. Uh, obviously, they let in two goals, but like I think that the first goal wasn't really her. I don't think she could have done much. And then obviously the second goal was there. But I, I thought she's been getting into a groove and doing well. And I I almost feel like this was playing for a contract, almost. And 
but I don't think that two, three games was enough. I thought I thought maybe, okay, let her play for another one or two months, see how she does. If they don't like her in one or two months, then fine. Then go in for a Nikki Avrad and bring her in and you let Musovic go on a free. But I kind of, I kind of, you know, so I would have thought that this deal could have maybe still been done in the summer. Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird one because then if, if you are re-signing Musovic, then does that mean AKB is leaving? Uh, and then you, you're short on pretty much experience in, in, in a way. Uh, with the two goalkeepers, so I don't know. It's it's again, it's a it's a very weird one. I don't even know what to make of it, other than what I've just said. I mean, Arsenal seem to think that they, they need four goalkeepers, so maybe it's the new trend in Chelsea. It's the PSG just thing. To, to keep up. It's the PSG <laughs> but, thing. <laughs> but but Tom, do you think this this does mean we might see a, a Chelsea goalkeeper moving on? Musovic obviously is out of, out of contract at, at the end of the season. Um, is this Chelsea kind of covering covering their bases for that potential exit? Do you think? Yeah, I really think so. But I don't think that Everard will come in and start immediately necessarily. Um, I think, you know, we shouldn't forget this is this is a big move for her and it will take a bit of time maybe to just to adapt to playing for a really elite club, um, you know, for the first time at the really top level in, in the women's game. But but yeah, I do think we should brace ourselves for either AKB or, or Musovic to leave. Um, and um, that would be a shame, I guess, because I think they've both actually been been very good uh, and I think in recent weeks I think Musovic has been in excellent form actually so um, much better than I expected actually she's she's been very very good so um, but yeah I do think I, do, I think we should brace ourselves for one to go which one I'm sorry I'm not sure at the moment but yeah we're, um, that's one to watch yeah yeah, certainly an interesting one to keep an eye on. And and just finally, Tom, I know you, you already touched on, on Magda and Panila and, and Chelsea kind of being uh, open and prepared to both options. Do you think time-wise this is something that that we'll see hanging, that will get resolved in the summer? Or do you think there's a chance, I guess if they were, they were going to stay, maybe there's a chance this gets resolved sooner. Do you think even if they were going to leave, we might see it talked about ahead of the season? Or do you think if they're going, it will just be... A decision once they're out the door because I feel like having it hanging over the club is just a really strange thing at the moment. I, I understand that but um, if there were two players in a game where you wouldn't worry so much if this was hanging over them I think it would be these two ultra professional in so many ways um, and I if they are to leave the club I think it's the sort of thing that will be announced a few days after the end of the season. Um, I they are uh, extremely, yeah, extremely professional, and I don't think, I think it's quite unlikely to leak. Um, it might do, it may well do. It may, you know, that if it's a club that they contract, then there may well be sources there. But certainly from within their side of things, I can't leaking at all. So uh, if we were to leave, I think we would find out at the end of May. Uh, but yeah, as I was saying earlier, uh, Chelsea would be quite happy for them to stay as well. You know, I think. Um, the unique situation here is that everyone's sort of expecting them to either both stay or, or both go. Um, so how many clubs there are who are looking for those two specific types of players and whether they both fit into Chelsea's really long term plans, I'm I'm not so sure. But one thing we, are, we have seen with um, Chelsea in this dec last decade is very, very few players have wound down their their careers at Chelsea you know you, there have been so many players who've come in and won titles uh, and then have been uh, not been moved on but have, have gone elsewhere you know before they start to wane on their uh, their career and I and I suspect we, we might see this again that they could stay but do I see them both at the club in in four years time I think the answer is no yeah and I think maybe that's that's part of also uh, Chelsea wanting to have 
players be able to part on good terms. You know, I think Ji Young's kind of a great example of that, of, of a player who was really able to to go out on a high, but but maybe with the club um, respecting and understanding that, that she was no longer going to be in their, their long-term plans. And, and maybe maybe that will be the case here. Um, just a bit of non-transfer news, which we should touch on before we wrap up. Uh, after I said that I really hope we get a nice, easy draw in the FA Cup. We did. We drew Arsenal at home um, in the <laughs> fifth round of the FA Cup. So that'll be a nice, fun thing for the end of February. Uh, Abdullah, are you looking forward to this one? Yeah, always fun to play play Arsenal. You know, it's it's never a dull affair. You know, it's it's not like refereeing calls are are, are regular. So you know, it's totally fine. I think I think it'd be good. No, I'm ex- I'm excited for it. the more big games that we get to watch Chelsea compete, and I think it just gets more and more exciting. And um, you know, it 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 just it just you know it it brightens up the weekend. So yeah, let's uh, bring it on. I mean, Arsenal, I think, have City, City and then Chelsea uh, really wrapping up their February. So that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, Tom, other teams uh, from from your neutral perspective will be licking their lips, presumably, at the prospect of at least one of uh, Chelsea and I say at least one as if they both could go out. (laughs) One of Chelsea or Arsenal (laughs) will go out. It won't be both unless something truly exceptional happens. Um, But in in some ways, this is uh, kind of fun for the FA Cup, I guess, right? I suppose so as a, as a neutral, um, I, uh, sorry, I'm not trying to make this about me, but um, in like in nine seasons covering the, the women's game, I've never seen a team that isn't Chelsea, Arsenal or Man City win a domestic trophy. Uh, they've won all of them since 2015. And that's when I first started working in, in the league. So uh, as a neutral, I w- I'd love to see somebody else win something, to be honest with you. Um, that would be really refreshing. Um, but no, uh, in all seriousness, I think both Manchester clubs will have been over the moon. I would love, though, to have seen the reaction in the FA marketing office, because on the one hand, you've got like this really exciting fifth round tie, but they probably lost their best chance of selling out Wembley for the final, right? The two big London clubs would have been the dream final for selling tickets. I know over 30,000 have already been sold, which is great, but to fill out Wembley, which I think has got to be the target over the next few seasons, that would be the game that would be the most likely to do it sooner rather than later. Um, hey, we'll, it'll be a great fifth round tie. I, Arsenal, it's a tough run of games now for Arsenal, um, not just in February, but then you go into March and they'll have the Champions League as well. They've got a really tough uh, next few weeks and and um, yeah, I, I don't envy them with their run of fixtures. Yeah, well, certainly uh, be be interesting to see. Uh, Chelsea obviously uh, are away at Spurs on Sunday before heading to uh, Dagenham um, to play West Ham uh, on the Thursday the 9th um, and then going into the international break. So we will obviously keep you up to date um, with all the goings on at Chelsea. Uh, but for now, Tom, thank you very, very much for joining us. Uh, super appreciate all your insight. Uh, huge pleasure to speak to you. Thanks both very much. Uh, Abdullah, thank you as always. Thank you very much. Uh, and we will be back on Sunday. Well, I won't. I'm going to Barcelona for the weekend. But <laughs> Abdullah will be back on Sunday with uh, special guests, I'm sure, who won't be as funny and intelligent as me. But hey, you make <laughs> do with, with what you have, I'm afraid. Uh, but yeah, they'll, they'll be back on Sunday talking about uh, the Tottenham game. Uh, but until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Ooh.